Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 313 being recorded on Wednesday, November 8th. 2023. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back. Jason and Scott Show listeners. Uh, Jason, is 313 a lucky number? I, I, the 13 is is kind of on there, so I, I think we'll count it. it. It's a lot of threes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a prime. I'll have to get one of our research analysts to work on that. Um, okay, so we are recording this in early November, as Jason said. So we're at that critical part of the retail calendar. All the plans are laid. The discounts are on the table. Cyber Monday, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, everything's teed up. And everyone's waiting in anticipation of what holiday is going to bring us this year. And we know, longtime listeners will know that our holiday Turkey 5 coverage with a lot of sprinkling of data is second to none in the industry. And this year, we're going to take it up a notch. In past years, we've had our friend of the show, Rob Garf, VP and GM for retail at Salesforce on after the Turkey Five to give us a real-time view of what they saw. Um, and for those of you that have been with us a very long time, this is for Jason's mom primarily. Those were episodes 110, 249, 282, and 299. Man, that's quite a track record. This year, we are going to take it up and have a delicious Rob Garf before and after holiday sandwich. Um, It's kind of like that turkey sandwich, but we're going to kind of sample it here before we even even have Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Rob, uh, before I uh, before I go on, uh, welcome back for the fifth and I think record time on the show. Wow. I love it. This is all we'll have to call uh, the Guinness Book up and make sure we get this notched in memoriam this is fantastic it's always good to be here and even better scott and jason and first of all thank you for having me on doing a little bit of a preview because as you mentioned we're normally crawling through the data talking about the holiday weekend and seeing where everything lands after the critical time period and it's fun to take a little bit of a sneak preview and look at what we're anticipating and what we're seeing going into as you mentioned one of the most critical times of the year I think you're exactly right, Rob. I don't know why we didn't think of this sooner. I feel like this should have always been part of our holiday tradition. Um, and it, I do feel like we're getting all of the Rob protein with none of the nasty carbs. So that's like a a, <laughs> a particularly healthy uh, Thanksgiving treat. Um, but Rob, before we jump into all of the good data, uh, remind listeners what the heck it is you do for Salesforce and how you get all this juicy data. Yeah, that's awesome. Let, by the way, the listeners decide, you know, how advantageous this is after the fact. I hope it is. And um, again, we'll do our best. So, yeah, now I've been, I was thinking about it leading into this conversation uh, now at Salesforce for over seven years, but I came to the CRM leader by way of Demandware. And if you remember, Demandware now, Commerce Cloud was the leader in the cloud space. And we instrumented the platform early on to get access to everything that flows through our cloud. So you think about all the taps, all the clicks, all the swipes. Now we don't have any access to personally identifiable information, but we bubble that up and it becomes really the benchmark for what's happening in digital. And over the years, we've included things from marketing and service as well to look at a more complete buyer's journey. And it's been really fun. Each quarter, we release our shopping index, which is available on salesforce.com, built on Tableau, and it's interactive. So you can slice and dice it by vertical and by geography. And it really helps retailers gauge how they're doing vis-a-vis their peer set, which of course is extremely important any time of the year, but certainly even more important during the holiday week. Now, I think there's one thing that I sometimes forget to say, So I want to make sure I cover it now, which is our index, and by virtue of that, our benchmarks are from a outside-in perspective. So they are a look at the entire industry, not just Salesforce data. We've modeled this over the last 10 years since its inception. So it's really intended to look at 
the overall industry and benchmarking how peers are doing rather than speaking to anything that Salesforce is doing. So that's my quick infomercial, but hopefully more than anything, just a little bit of credibility as to where we get the data, what we do with it, and most importantly, uh, the conversations we're able to have similar to what we're doing here. Got it. Um, so that that sounds perfect. Um, I do uh, want just a couple clarifying questions before we jump into the actual data, because uh, I know we're going to talk about holiday. Like, what is your official definition of holiday? What what dates are are you looking at? Yeah, thanks for asking. That's always an important question. So we've defined it over the years as the complete November and December. So that's our holiday or peak season look. And we look at, in particular, for, again, the holiday weekend. I know you call it the Cyber Five or Turkey Five. We have Cyber Week, which starts the Tuesday before American Thanksgiving and works its way through Cyber Monday. It's just something we started from the beginning. And for like-to-like year-over-year comparisons, we've kept that intact. So when I'm referencing Cyber Week or Cyber Five, it's really looking at those those seven days. Now, of course, the definition by some has been elongated, and I hope we'll get into that in terms of when does the official real demand start. But to answer your question straight on, Jason, it's for us at Salesforce, November or December. Got it. And so for historical purposes, you've always been looking at November, December, and then you're predominantly or exclusively focused on digital sales. So you're you're reporting on what actually happened and forecasting what you think is going to happen in terms of e-commerce sales, uh, but but unless I had this wrong, you you guys don't put a flag in the ground on on what you think is going to happen at brick and mortar. Is that true? That is accurate. Now we do kind of go on the fringes a little bit because of the bleeding between online or the blurring, I should say, between online and offline. So we do have data on buy online, pick up at store. We do have data on returns as well, which is by virtue of definition, a multi-channel or omni-channel type of uh, process, but we don't put a stake in the ground because we just don't have the intrinsic data to be able to bubble that up and provide on the actuals. Sure. And then one other fun fact, you referenced the shopping index and you you always have like the, the quarterly recap on there. Um, but I think uh, for sure during holidays, and I think you're going to tell me year round, um, you actually have a real-time dashboard up there. So it's kind of a fun thing um, during uh, the the individual days of Cyber Week to kind of pop in and see see what's going on after your family uh, Thanksgiving dinner to see if uh, you're still going to have a retail job when this is all over. <laughs> yeah, we do. Exactly. So during particularly Cyber Week, each morning, the team is getting up super early, as you can imagine, and we're crawling through the data and we're updating in real time the data from the previous day. And so for any retailer who is looking for the latest and greatest, certainly by, I would say, 10 o'clock Eastern time at the latest, you will get that and see that up there. We do have many customers who do use that in their roundtable boardroom discussions each day to understand how they're doing it and comparing it. And more than anything, Jason, truth be told, we need to get it up that early because our boss, this guy named Mark Benioff, is typically texting us saying, where's the data? Because I want to tweet it. So, um, yeah, that's as much of a motivator as anything else. Always fun when you get the uh, text from the CEO. <laughs> Slack. Slack. He, has, uh, slacks. They, yes. he sends slacks, not text. He slacks, yes. Sorry. Good call. Uh, I was off, Very I was good off call. brand well for a second. Yeah. Well played. He Einsteins it to you. <laughs> his, his Einstein slacks you. Anyway, that's right. Uh, you you mentioned uh, one follow up on that. You mentioned American Thanksgiving. That prompted me to ask. This is largely we're talking about the U.S. here primarily. We're not going to. This isn't international. I'm sure you can go international, but we're we're doing more U.S. Right? Yeah, I'm prepared to do whatever. I thought we'd probably burrow a bit more into U.S., but we do yeah. have global numbers. But um, yeah. Okay, we have time. Jason's obsessed with these Chinese companies. I'm sure he'll ask you some questions. So that's fair. That wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. That's totally yeah. cool. Um, he gets all his clothes from Xi'an. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, so before we dive into the the topic du jour, which is this year's holiday, 2023, maybe recap for listeners. Kind of, you know, that you know, I know we had you on, but the dust has settled, and I'm sure you're going back and looking at it now. With holiday twenty two, what were some of the bullet items that you you kind of you you're thinking about as we go into twenty three? Scott, you don't think the listeners have totally 
taking this to memory, what we talked about last November 29th. Come on. Um, okay. You're probably right. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I get it. Not all of us live and breathe this, but yeah, let's bring us back. And, you know, actually, if I could just for a minute to put 2022 in context, you need to think a little bit about 2021. And let me just spend a minute there and then I'll fast forward to 22, which is, if you remember, some of us don't want to. In 2021, it was truly one of the first times that demand actually got pulled forward in the holiday season. And the reason was the first mile delivery issues were stuck. If you remember, so many products were stuck in the port in the US of LA. The containers, if they even got to the port, were having a difficult time getting off the ship and into the domestic supply chain. And people saw headline after headline. I want to say people like consumers, buyers, shoppers. And they realized if they didn't buy early in the season, they might not get the product that they actually want. Because in the past, they would just have a waiting game and wait for the last and final deal. And so demand got pulled earlier in the season. And oh, by the way, retailers didn't have to discount as steep as they normally do. So going into 2020, retailers thought all of a sudden there'd be this magical shift to consumers buying earlier in the year. And you know what? That just didn't happen. There was actually a really good point of why that didn't happen. When you look at the first two weeks of November, we saw some of the lowest discounting rates that we typically see during the holiday season. And because of these lackluster deals, people really didn't buy anything. They waited and they, again, went back to their normal buying behavior. One other byproduct out of that is those that did buy early, we saw that they actually returned the product during Cyber Week. Cyber Week last year, 2022, had some of the highest return rates during that week of the entire season. People were doing their own price adjustments if they bought the product earlier in the year and realized they could have gotten a better price. So there's like, I don't know how you calculate a triple or quadruple whammy on the bottom line that retailers saw because they were hoping to chase the deals earlier um, or wait, I should say, for the deals uh, into the season. And consumers just didn't bite. Overall, and then I'll stop talking for a second here, is what we saw for, let's just take Cyber Week as an example. In the US, we saw 9% year-over-year growth, uh, growth online, and globally, we saw a 2% growth. So US was really booing up the global number there. But mm -hmm. a lot of that sales online happened right before Cyber Week and through the Thanksgiving holiday. Got it. Uh, it's kind of coming back to me. I remember you coining the phrase uh, discount chicken. I remembered that. Uh, is that right? Do I, do I remember that? Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 totally. And thank you. Uh, so yeah. discount chicken, you know, for the first time that we saw um, retailers won the game of discount chicken last year. In, uh, I'm sorry, in 2021. They tried to win again in 2022, but it just didn't happen. Consumers are really wise, they're real patient. And now, especially as they're seeing headwinds in their economic future, there's definitely uh, searching out for better and best deals. Yeah, this this kind of goes back to our data question. It just occurred to me as we were talking about this. Obviously, the, the macroeconomic is different now. Do you, does that factor into your, when you swirl all this together and you guys put together a, font, a forecast, is that is that an input? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. for sure. And another piece that we look at very closely because it's driven so much of the growth over the last two years is inflation as well. And so when you look at the last two years, much of the online growth is from increased prices, not increased demand. So people are just not getting as much from their dollar because of those increases. We're starting to see that settle down the last couple of quarters, which is good news. We're not quite seeing it in Europe, by the way, but here in the US. And so we're hoping um, some of the growth will come from, we're anticipating, I should say, some of the growth this holiday season coming from actual increased demand. Got it. Um... So uh, I want to I want to jump into the big reveal, but uh, a quick quiz first, if uh, if you don't mind. Uh, so last year, U.S. e-commerce growth nine percent. Uh, Twenty twenty one was also an incredibly abnormal year. 
Do you remember what the actual number you guys got for 2021 was? Or for Cyber Week? Yeah. Oh, that's a oh no. Or, or sorry, for holiday. If you don't have it, it's fine. Overall holiday yeah. for 2021 was 9%, but that's global. So I'd have to go back to see okay. what it was for the US. No problem. But so last year in the US, 9% growth, which uh, was an outlier for uh, because global growth was quite a bit softer. Um, right. And so now uh, here we are getting ready for holiday 23. Um, and uh, what, what do you think is going to happen? How much uh, stuff are we going to sell online in November and December of 23 in the U.S.? Yeah. Um, so we're anticipating here in the U.S. basically flat online growth. And anybody I'm talking to is candidly quite okay with that. Um, and let me tell you why. They're not overly bullish about significant growth online this year for two major factors. One is uh, we actually looked at the CAGR over the last couple of years going back to 2019. And if things play out the way we anticipate, we're still looking at for the holiday season compound annual growth of somewhere between 20 and 25%. And so we're really where we are better than where we've been in 2019 year over year. So we're, you know, We've been looking at these data points for quite some time. During the holiday season, if we're going to do 10 to 12 to 13% year-over-year growth online, we're feeling really good. And we've seen the average over the last couple of years come out well over that. So there's a baseline that we're still needing to consider as we think about growth. The second factor is the store. And we can't forget about, even though our data doesn't explicitly account for that, what we've seen in our data is that people are still going online very aggressively, meaning traffic quarter over quarter, year over year is still really strong. However, what we're finding is people are then doing what they've naturally done for a long time, which is in many cases, then go into the store to actually make the purchase. And so it doesn't necessarily tell when you look at flat growth year over year for the holiday season, the entire story. We're still feeling really good about it. What helps us, by the way, one more caveat that I'll put in there, and I should have mentioned it, Scott, just a moment ago when you asked how we get to the numbers. One of the key influences is what does October look like? And particularly prime, uh, or we should, I was about to say prime day, but the prime big deal days. And so what we've seen when it first came out, a nice halo effect, um, and we still see a halo effect, certainly during the dog days of summer in July, since the inception of Prime Day back, what was that, five, six years ago. But we, although we saw bumps in the early part when it first was established in October, there wasn't a significant halo effect that happened during Prime Day, meaning those not named Amazon during the October event. We saw nice traffic. We though saw really low discount rates once again. So people were being patient. They were biding their time. And so we were seeing some nice um, add to cart rates as well. So we saw people were poking around. They were doing their research. They were starting to think about what their holiday gifting list looked like, but they were waiting. And so that's my long way of saying uh, we're anticipating a fairly moderate holiday, but we're not at all discouraged by what we anticipate. Totally fair. Um, and so, and I want to put your forecast in a little bit of context, but before I do, you, you kind of open the door on this whole um, October and shape of holiday thing. Like, A, yes. uh, super useful to have um, historical consistency. So I'm glad you guys report the same time period every year, right? Like I'm by no means proposing that everyone should change periods, but it is interesting. There's, there's a lot more promotional activity happening in October than was true 10 years ago. Right. And, yes. and very specifically, as you kind of alluded to, uh, two years ago, Prime Day was canceled in summer and happened in October. And then they, they moved Prime Day back to summer. But they added this second Prime Day um, and put a lot more marketing behind it this year than last year. Um, yes. So, and every other retailer on the planet counter programs against that that holiday. And so, there's been a uh, an increasing amount of pressure to pull sales 
in in October. Yep. Um, and then on the flip side, uh, a lot of people feel like holiday doesn't really end until uh, mid to late January. And there's yeah. a variety of reasons for that. But one very particular one, uh, a heck of a lot of gift cards get sold yep. and gifted during the holidays and they get redeemed predominantly in January. Um, right. And so I, I guess I'm just kind of curious. Uh, I, I'm not sure you would have necessarily data behind this, but like uh, it, it does feel like holiday is flattening out. And I know you guys pay particular attention to Cyber Week, which, you know, is still a huge outlier. And obviously we see way more sales on Cyber Week than a traditional holiday week. Yeah. But as a relation to the total holiday period, it does feel like that spike is starting to flatten out a little bit. Like, do you see holiday getting kind of stretched and flattened? Yeah, I love the question. And this, I feel like we could look back, you know, in a year or two, five years and do a whole, I don't know, extensive research project around how people and mindset and shopping has evolved uh, because it has. And of course, the pandemic had a big accelerator to that. What we've seen in our data, Jason, is there has been a flattening out throughout Cyber Week, meaning the big spikes have typically been Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and those still remain the two largest online days of the entire year. But we are seeing a flattening out throughout the entire week. But we haven't seen a lot of the sales, when it's all said and done, pulled into October. We do see a little bit of a blip in and around the big deal days. And we actually, to your point, other retailers have preempted the sales. And we saw that in July as well, meaning doing sales events the week before. And it does drum up some traffic but we haven't seen a large portion being pulled into that time period. Um, what I will also say, again, lackluster discounts played a big role. We're anticipating um, comparing big deal days to Cyber Week. Cyber Week will see about a 40% higher discounting rate than what we witnessed just a couple of weeks ago in October. You are totally right, by the way, that... Um, the holiday season does definitely extend through December and into January. That's why most every retailer has their you know, fiscal year ending in January so they can really reconcile and get out from under what happened in the holiday, not just gift cards, but all of the returns and exchanges that invariably happen as well. But at the end of the day, um, just to put a nice little underscore here is in 2020 and 2021, we did see a bit of pulling forward into October, a couple of percentage points of sales, but we're forecasting that 25% of all holiday sales will happen again, as we define it, the seven days of cyber week. Interesting. Very cool. Okay. So uh, before we uh, dive into some more granular topics, I do yeah. want to put the 9% in context. And uh, uh, some some listeners will be familiar with uh, Nate Silver um, and his pull of polls and the uh, uh, the the kind of boring <laughs> boring uh, political forecast, but the way more interesting uh, uh, March Madness forecast. Um, so I, I like to fancy myself as the Nate Silver of e-commerce, right? Yeah. And so I I do try to watch all of uh, this data um, and huge caveat, nobody's data is apples to apples, right? So it's not really a matter of, oh, this number doesn't match up to this number. Everyone has a slightly different definition of what e-commerce means. Everyone has a slightly different set of dates that they're looking at um, and they have different methodologies, right? So your methodology, uh, I feel like you get perfectly accurate data from a slice of the market, right? Um, like there's there's no like human uh, error introduced in your data because it, it's coming right from the systems. Um, and the, the challenge for you guys is to take your slice and extend that to the, the entire world of retail. Um, well said. The, uh, and, and I feel like you guys do that really well. Um, Thank you. So another data source that, of course, people are sick of me talking about is the U.S. Department of Commerce, which are these like surveys that they force retailers to fill out. 
Um, and there's uh, entirely different challenges and flaws in their survey methodology and how they defined e-commerce. Um, but just to kind of put things in perspective, uh, I'm going to talk about the, they, they give us both brick and mortar and e-commerce data. And so I pulled right before a show, I pulled their data for the historical averages of November and December. And so for the 27 years before COVID, November and December uh, sales grew 3.85% per year. So that's brick and mortar. That's not related yep. to the number you gave at all. Uh, so totally. average retail growth in the United States of America per the U.S. Department of Commerce in November and December, 3.85%. So, and then I remind people the three COVID years, 20, 21, and 22 were the greatest three years in the history of retail, right? Because we, didn't let anyone spend any money on travel and we mailed $10 trillion to, to, uh, every man, woman and child in America to, to spend. Um, and so via the U.S. Department of Commerce data, 2020 grew 9.2%. 2021 grew 12.5%. And 2022 grew 5.4%. So three straight years of way over the historical average growth, right? And then using that same methodology, the U.S. Department of Commerce reports internet sales. I'm way more skeptical of their internet sales uh, because of the methodology and the way they, they define it. But just to put it in perspective, for, for the 27 years before COVID, they have e-commerce growing 11.25% a year. Um, and so then 2020, when everyone was locked in the house and not going to retail, we had this monster year. E-commerce grew 35% uh, in November and December from their data. Um, and then the following year, because there was sort of a rebound and a return to, to brick and mortar, sales uh, e-commerce sales were actually lower than the industry average. So 2021, they had sales at 10.5%, so a little bit off of the historical average. And then last year, they were the softest of all. They were 7.68%, which is the slowest e-commerce growth in holiday in the last 30 years. Um, so that's just kind of an interesting context, right? So uh, the orders of magnitude are all right. You had 9% growth last year. They had 7.6% growth. Um, they don't forecast, of course. Um, and so then I start looking at the forecast and a big forecast that comes out every year. We're all uh, friends of the NRF here and, the, uh, and NRF members. The NRF just did their holiday forecast. They're forecasting brick and mortar growing three to 4%. So pretty much in line with mm -hmm. that historical average. That's a deceleration from last year, which was 5.4%. Um, and they're forecasting internet sales of 7.9%. So they're kind of perfectly splitting the difference between the U.S. Department of Commerce and uh, Salesforce, for whatever that's worth, like pretty pretty broad range. Um, yeah. And so, so that just kind of passes my quick sanity check. Uh, Deloitte also does a forecast. Now, Deloitte's forecast is a different time range. They consider holiday November to January, and they're forecasting brick and mortar at 35 to 4.6%, so a little more optimistic. Um, and they're forecasting e-commerce at 103 to 12.8%. So again, a little more optimistic. And then, uh, Bain, uh, did a forecast this year and they have 3% brick and mortar. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there that most people are expecting this kind of three to 4% brick and mortar growth and this kind of, uh, 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 we'll call it eight to 11% e-commerce growth. Yeah. And I would say, given what you just talked about, Others are a bit more bullish on the e-commerce growth than we are, but I think directionally, both brick and mortar and e-commerce are telling a very similar story, which is e-commerce is still alive and kicking, but it now has to be looked at in the context of brick and mortar. And I think there's a lot of factors in that that actually will make the reporting moving forward even more difficult. It is making it difficult. And Jason, you and I have talked about this before, just the attribution models, because it's not just about last click anymore, especially as people might, you know, in many cases go online and then go into the store. Where's that last click and how is that being factored? So everything from what we had anticipated and seen um, around you know, 60% of digital sales now influenced by the physical store because the associate is driving demand through 
customer service or client telling or social media or their fulfilling demand with being able to you know pick pack and ship an online order um, or what's happening in digital as well in terms of people buying online and then picking up in or around the store so i think what is super interesting in addition to what you said is how these metrics might evolve over time because it will depend a lot on by retailer who's getting the credit and i know that's something that's been talked about for quite some time but literally how to is it how is it being accounted for and um what does that do to how they're reporting the numbers yeah uh couldn't couldn't agree more and just one one sort of example to illustrate that uh one one kind of um, category that sold almost no meaningful uh, volume online before the pandemic was grocery, right? Second biggest yes. category of consumer spending, um, but none of it was online before the pandemic. Now, depending on how you count, 10 to 12% of it's online. And guess what? It all gets attributed as store sales, right? Because it all it's all bananas that are getting delivered from a store. And, you know, so 100% of Instacart sales look like store sales to the retailer. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it, like, I, I agree with you. It's just, it's just getting uh, more and more convoluted. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting point around grocery. Uh, you know, our data showed in 2020 and most of 2021, we saw a triple digit growth year over year because of what you just talked about. You just wouldn't ordinarily or historically buy groceries online. What drove a lot of that and what I think will drive behavior moving forward is in 2020, we saw a 40% increase of net new digital shoppers. So these are people that hang out online, but they wouldn't click the buy button. And so a lot of those people now want to go back into the store, but they're using digital, they're using their phone in particular uh, to really be that connective tissue. Cool. Let's let's, uh, continue to peel the onion here. Um, You hit on this a little bit, but Tell us more about what you think is coming up in in the 2023 Cyber Week. For example, if I recall, last year Cyber Monday was the biggest e-commerce day ever. Is that is that? Did you guys agree with that, or was am I misremembering that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we okay. actually have seen yeah. Black Friday actually bust up to the largest. Um, I know oh, that's okay. counter to how others have looked at it, but they're both really strong, and we anticipate that being. The case again, again, though, we are seeing a bit of smoothing out of demand throughout the seven days, um, particularly on phones. And I guess that's not a big aha, but when we weren't traveling, we saw the resurgence of, you know, iPads and tablets and um, actual regular computers, especially when you get nice groovy ones, Scott, like you did just recently. But anyways, I... um, I'm getting distracted here by your awesome new computer. But um, (laughs) what we are now seeing, though, is a move back to mobile. And what we saw also during Thanksgiving, a really strong traffic, particularly local times between four and eight o'clock. If you think about it, that's essentially when people are finishing their Thanksgiving meal and they need a little break. They're sitting on their couch and they pull out their phone. And so we're seeing a lot of traffic via mobile and social as well, by the way, we are anticipating, and we predicted this going back in June, that we're going to see traffic via social be at a 10 times higher rate than uh, traditional marketing. So there's a lot of budget being pushed towards that media. And we're seeing a lot of success there. Now, there's still a bit of a gap in terms of conversion rate through that channel. But again, if you connect the dots, mobile and social happening over Cyber Week, in particular on Thanksgiving, it's going to be really strong. And we're seeing, again, retailers lean into that. Got it. Um, So Black Friday was bigger growth last year or bigger absolute dollars or both? For us, it was biggest absolute dollars. The growth was essentially spot on for both Cyber uh, Monday and Black Friday. Jason, am I misremembering that? Did other people say it was Cyber Monday or was it always there, Black yeah, Friday? The, uh, yeah, there different different folks had the a different peak. Um, okay. Yeah. So, Got it. but controversy they're getting, in e-commerce. They're, I love it. They're, yeah, yeah, controversy. And they're getting closer together. Like there were, in the early yeah, days of e-commerce, Cyber Monday was a giant tower and 
No one had yep. internet access on Black Friday. Like that, that clearly is no longer the case. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Rip Cyber Monday. Uh, cool. I don't have any follow ups, Jason. You're awesome. Um, so uh, I want to jump into one of the other topics you inter- introduced a little earlier. So far, we've been mostly talking, uh, talking about top line, which is a kind of easy way to think about this. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a kind of easy way to get your brain around it. Yeah. At the end of the day, retailers care a lot more about bottom line um, yeah. and a huge impact on holiday bottom of line is how aggressively and deeply folks have to discount in order to yeah. achieve those sales. So uh, are you guys like what do you forecast? I, I don't know if you have a formal forecast for di- discounts, but what what should people expect from discounting this year versus last year? And what are, what are the trends there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good because I missed a point before that I want to make as it relates to discount. And so this would give me a good opportunity to bring that up. But just to go right at that, Jason, um, we're forecasting on average a 30% discount rate throughout Cyber Week. Uh, And again, to put that in perspective, it was 20% here in the US uh, during the October event for prime big deal days. Again, we look at the entire industry, not just Amazon as it relates to that. And so we're seeing a much more aggressive discount rate. Now it's going to differ obviously by different segment. You're not seeing as high in luxury as an example. Uh, we do anticipate for to- toys and a consumer electronics, which have been a bit of a softer category over the last 12 months, again, especially because of the high baseline they had because of the growth over 2020, 2021. But what we're also seeing, and this goes back to the pulling forward of demand, is more and more retailers are providing Black Friday deals throughout the course of November. And what's different in the past was it was fairly opaque in terms of we're giving you deals, but we're not really sure those are going to be the best deals, right? And though we're seeing now much more transparency. There's one major retailer that I'm sure you can guess who's doing Black Friday deals throughout the course of November, and they are guaranteeing price matches if for some reason they do go lower. And they are also offering buy now, pay later, so you can commit to getting the product so you don't miss out on it, but you can then pay over time. And so um, what really came to life for me in this topic was we were doing a roundtable in Toronto in June. And one of the attendees, and she talked about this again at Dreamforce in September, so I feel comfortable talking about it, is uh, a digital executive from Decium, which is a cool health and cosmetics and beauty brand that also has two other brands, one called The Ordinary. And they have something that they've been doing for quite some time, calling it slow vember. And their whole point is don't cause any urgency, but rather make it a more relaxed buying experience. And their point is throughout the course of all of November, we're going to provide the same exact discount no matter when and if you buy it. And so we're seeing that a bit more and more. Some of it is coming by way of early access or exclusivity, but also, again, extending and providing visibility. Part of it is, again, trying to create that confidence that you're getting the best and final deal. And also, by the way, you talk about the bottom line, Jason, is um, trying to reduce the deluge of returns that often happen. A lot of retailers are changing. 88%, according to our research, are changing their returns policies. And that's going to be a big risk in what um, and how that impacts holiday purchases this year. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's so many moving parts. It's so complicated. Um, you think about like what a big impact inflation had on last holiday and, you know, good news. Like it seems like inflation is going to be lower uh, this holiday. Um, yep. The consumer was in a better economic position uh, last year than it seems like they're getting this year. We're seeing credit and defaults and things like that start start to creep up. So there's there's just all these moving parts. But one thing I think a lot of people lose sight of is in the last three years, uh, predominantly driven by the pandemic, 
uh, every retailer has completely reinvented their supply chain and their demand forecasting. And I would argue everybody's way better at it now and they have way more agile supply chains and they're, they're, they're a lot more accurate with their level of inventory, which means they, they're more confident they're going to sell through their inventory and that changes their discount strategy. Like there's just all these moving parts that make it really hard to compare year over year when, you know, for your point, the last three years, sometimes we didn't have anything to sell. And then the next year we had two years worth of stuff to sell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I it, was just talking about that with an executive just earlier today and how retailers have gotten, as you said, better at demand forecasting, better at inventory management. And I joke sometimes, although I'm only half joking, that supply chain has really come to the front office. It's like really part of the customer experience at this point and has such an opportunity to either negatively impact or hopefully positively impact the customer experience, especially when you're you know, trying to find product after the shipping cutoff window. We're anticipating once again, a huge uptick for those that have the ability for a consumer to buy online and then pick it up in and around the store after the shipping cutoff window. We're seeing seven times higher growth rate for those that have that capability because um, essentially you're kind of shutting down your online doors if you cannot fulfill those orders after the fact. And so, but that requires to your point, Jason, like a lot of tuning around supply chain, order management, inventory. Oh, and by the way, store associates as well. We have to you know, plan for that extra time that they'll have to take to fulfill that order. We'll have to provide the right incentives and we'll have to give them the tools as well. And um, I think retailers have gotten better at it. I don't think anybody's fully cracked the code, but going back to your bottom line point, last year for us, the holiday theme was profitability and that doesn't go away. Um, I think people have gotten, meaning retailers have gotten better at it, but um, certainly always opportunity. So I'm glad you called that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to say profit is cool again. Um, <laughs> profit is cool again, yeah. The If you take nothing else away from this episode, profit is cool. Um, <laughs> the I, the way It's funny, like I joke about this, but it, it's kind of serious. When I started my career, the the VP of supply chain probably started his career as a truck driver. And, and today <laughs> that VP yeah. of supply chain, like probably has a PhD in data science. Yeah. Um, so it's You're a, totally. that, that occupation has dramatically changed. Um, the I, one other follow up question. Uh, one of the cool things about your data set versus some of these other ones I look at is you guys have real time access to the data. So, um, as we record this, we're eight days into November. Um, have you seen anything interesting? Are there any patterns that have stood out at you? Does it make you more confident in your forecast or in anything that's interesting for our listeners to know? Yeah, we did look at the first uh, couple days of November and also, of course, looked at October. It's pretty consistent with what we saw in Q3 in the U.S. Um, we're basically flat in terms of growth. However, traffic is up. So traffic is up 4%. Orders are slightly down. What we've seen, which I think, again, is a very nice leading indicator, is product view rates have increased by 5% and add to cart month over month. So September to October, plus a little bit of uh, November, we've seen a slight uptick as well. So what that's telling us is people are interested. They're doing their research. They're looking for the best deals. They're understanding where the inventory is available and so that they're ready to make the move when they feel like they're getting the best and most value. Cool. So it sounds like if traffic's up and orders are down, a lot of tire kicking and kind of prepping and watching and making your list and, you know, could be the start of Discount Chicken 2.0. There you go. Exactly. We'll see. I'm using that, Scott. I'm grabbing that. I hope that's okay. <laughs> Discount chicken, the chickens strike back. Um, <laughs> well, and also, I mean, you talked about kick the tires. So I think it's a good opportunity for a promo for Spiffy at this point, too. So don't forget to get your gift cards as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. We will be running some promos. Thanks for And if thanks you do kick your tires, Scott can come to your house and replace them for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and shop for the new shoes online. Maybe, oh, well, there you go. I think there's a mashup there. There's going to be Spiffy and Adidas coming together for, uh, 
anyways, I don't know. We'll leave that yeah. to the marketers. That's a good segue into my question. Any predictions on categories? I remember uh, last year you guys had some interesting data on that. Um, does your your prediction kind of data science get down into the category uh, slicing of things or or that's going to be more in, in the rear view? Yeah, no, we certainly look at that. We do it obviously based on what we've seen historically. Um, we're anticipating for the holiday active apparel, active footwear, health and beauty being really strong. So, you know, we talk about the big number because that gets the headline in terms of essentially flat growth, but we anticipate some nice growth in those areas. Um, it's going to be a challenging partly because of comping as it relates to toys and gaming and consumer electronics. Uh, if you think about the just macro trend, people are looking for comfort. Um, part of it is coming out of COVID and maybe not all of us getting back into three-piece suits, but also when you feel a little bit of economic uncertainty. I was listening to some financial show while I was traveling over the last couple of weeks, and somebody put it as kind of the household P&L or the household balance sheet. You know, when you're looking at that and you're making choices and you're taking more control of your finances, which is happening, people often migrate not only obviously to value and safety, they're looking at comfort. And so there's something to be said for comfort in shoes and footwear, comfort in apparel, and almost the openness to be a bit more comfortable, um, both in social and in work situations. So we're anticipating, like I said, active apparel, active footwear, health and beauty being really strong. Luxury as well. Don't sleep on luxury. They've been the most resilient category in the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. And so that end of the market has held really well. We're seeing a little bit of um, softness in what I'll call the aspirational luxury, but as a whole, that category is looking really strong and we anticipate it looking pretty strong during the holiday as well. Yeah, this is old school, but I remember at Channel Advisor going through 08, 09, we were always shocked that luxury, you know, it's like the world's falling apart around us and people are like, oh yeah, I'll get a, I'll get a $400 handbag. It's kind of right. That, that part of the market just doesn't care. They, they're immune to, to, to those things, I guess. They're pretty resilient. Yeah. I mean, one other thing I'll throw in there um, just because I'm talking about it more and more with customers as we think about the holiday more as a, um, I think bellwether to what we'll anticipate next year over the course, and this is a global number, but over the course of holiday, we're anticipating $194 billion of online sales being influenced by AI. Sorry. Mm. You thought you were going to get ah, through this whole, dang it. I know. Should I have not done that? I'm sorry. Cause you definitely, that's on your bingo sheet. No, uh, I have page. to check the, there's AI in this episode flag on iTunes. Uh, exactly. Well, it might get some more traffic that way. So who knows? But uh, we find that super interesting. Most of it, I want to like temper that a lot because people are getting really excited about that headline um, is most of it will be from predictive AI, like product recommendations, which we've been doing for quite some time. We're starting to see some early adoption of generative AI, whether that's in email marketing with subject lines or body copy or that's on product detail page with product descriptions or in service. Uh, super interesting what Gucci is doing and what they call Gucci 9, their service center, and teeing up responses for their agent to make them more efficient, allow them to scale, but also stay on brand. And so we'll see that a bit more. But again, a vast majority, um, like I said, it's around globally 16, 17% of all sales will be influenced by AI this holiday. That, interesting. Interesting. Um, so, Rob, we're almost out of time, but I want to throw a super meaty one to you uh, for for a final question. Uh, Scott was making fun of me, but uh, I I am super interested in these Chinese brands that are yeah. um, capturing uh, attention and share in the U.S. Right, and in particular, that's that's Timu, um, yep. which is uh, has more traffic than Target, more sales than Etsy in the United States. Uh, Shein, who's the largest apparel yep. re reseller in the United States. And then to a lesser extent, TikTok, which has the vast majority of consumers' attention in the United States and is now trying to sell stuff to people. Um, yep. 
What's super interesting is it's not obvious. Those guys are all growing at breakneck pace much faster than your, your 9% growth yeah. number. Um, it's not obvious if or who they're taking share from. So I'm, I'm curious if you, if you have any POV, it kind of seems like they're, they're inventing new demand or at the very least they're taking share from brick and mortar. It does not appear they're taking share from the Amazons of the world. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you're addressing this. I was just spent a couple of weeks in Europe. I was in four different cities. So talking to a lot of luxury brands, talking to a lot of traditional brick and mortars. Um, and this is an area, one of the executives put out tech intermediary. And I told him I would steal that. And here you go, I'm stealing it. Because uh, I would say those that you just categorized are really wedging themselves in between the demand and the supply and they're creating a whole new platform where it was just originally with TikTok and others about inspiration and now it's about purchase. And so, you know, what we're seeing and Jason, you and I have talked about this, Scott, to a degree as well, this idea of embedded commerce or shopping at the edge where the buy button is being pushed up through the funnel on these delivery uh, platforms. Again, these tech intermediaries. I mean, if you think about it, they're almost like the next generation of the shopping mall. The shopping mall is created because of access because of the highway here in the States. And it created a place for people to hang out, for people to get some food, for people to shop, people to socialize. And because of that, hey, they could have tenants who that would then pay rent and sell stuff, right? And it's not dissimilar to what these tech intermediaries are doing in that they're monetizing uh, their traffic. I think they're coming after the brick and mortar to a degree. They're also, I wouldn't say creating more demand, but fraying some of demand from the brand sites uh, because the brands are showing up there. And so I would say they're a little bit creating more demand, but more than that, they're kind of defraying the demand. What we've seen is a high degree of growth, 30% over the last couple of years of growth on these third-party intermediaries that we're talking about, and they are taking from other platforms. Interesting. Uh, I, I don't know what the real answer is, but I, I do know it's super interesting and important to pay attention to. So I'm glad uh, we brought it up. But Rob, that is going to have to be where we leave it because we have used up all of our allotted time. I'm going to make sure to put a link uh, to to the Salesforce um, holiday dashboard in the show notes and super grateful for you taking time. And I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we're looking forward to talking with you right after Cyber Monday. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, looking forward to it. Short couple of weeks. Looking forward to talking to you then. Yeah, Rob, remind listeners where they can find your pontifications and, and do they just Google the, the index to find your daily things or like, is there a quick URL that, that you guys have that at? Yeah. You know, to be honest with you, the best way to is go to Google and put in shopping index Salesforce and you'll get to our holiday insights hub. So it not only has the dashboards, but has all of the blogs we're writing and all of the up-to-date analysis. Cool. Well, thanks. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to to deliver this delicious holiday sandwich for uh, for Jason, I, and our listeners. Thanks, my friends. All right. Uh, you guys be well. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 